welcome to Powering Through Life, a show dedicated to exploring topics of life that are challenging, that keep us stuck in doubt and mistrust, which can prevent us from living life to our fullest potential and having loving relationships. I'm your host, Teresa Sims, and together with my guests, we bring to life strategies, tools, and ideas that anyone can incorporate easily into their life to promote happiness, better relationships, and personal peace. Our foundation in Powering Through Life is to inspire, motivate, and ignite your dreams to life. Today, my guest, my special guest, is Cassandra Bache. And Cassandra overcame infertility at age 45. She was given a 6 or 7% chance of conceiving, and she is now, luckily, the proud mother of a beautiful daughter named Sandy. Ever since, she has been researching and developing a program that knocks out women's fears to get them and keep them knocked up. That's awesome, Cassandra. Welcome to Powering Through Life. Oh, thank you so much, Teresa. It's so nice to be here. Oh, I'm so glad we got to do this. We haven't actually met each other in in person, but we've been on several calls together. We've learned about each other, and I'm so fascinated by the topic that you have and the business that you have. So uh, can you tell our listeners what are some of the fears people have around getting pregnant? Because this is way out of my realm, so I need to, to, you know experience this right oh for sure well and and to be honest people don't really talk about it this is a a different way of thinking about um fertility i mean you don't go to the fertility clinic and they say okay so what are you afraid of um so but it's it's definitely can get in people's way um and some of the fears that my clients have had one uh was just so hard she had multiple miscarriages and her fear was that she'd have an unhealthy baby and she didn't feel she could handle that. That's a pretty significant fear. I mean, uh, why would your body want to, A, get pregnant and B, stay pregnant if you think, oh, my God, what if I'm having an unhealthy baby and I can't handle that? Yeah. So it, some of them can be massive. Some of the other ones are, oh, money comes in. How am I going to be able to afford to have a baby? Uh, am I going to be able to afford to send them to college, to, you know, send them to summer camp, to just on and on? There are just so many expenses, and it's a little bit of a black box, right? So you 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 start trying to conceive now, but in 18 years when you're sending them to university, like, who knows what the cost will be then? You can kind of speculate, but it's just sort of sort of hard to get your head wrapped around. So financial can be huge. Um Having the emotional and and even physical support to raise a child, you know the expression "it takes a village." Well, some people in the, these days in the societies we live in um, don't feel like they have that village, if you will. So, mm-hmm. where is it magically going to come from to have a baby? Um, oh, I had one client. Oh my goodness. Her big fear, she literally is this all-consuming fear, was um, that her second baby, she already had a baby, um, her second baby was going to um, 
not sleep more than two hours in a row for two years. So that's like literally waking up every two hours all night for two whole years. And she just felt like she couldn't function. And now she was going to be trying to do it with another child. So her fears flattened her. And we cleared that fear and she was pregnant immediately. Um, Wow. That's incredible. I know. Isn't that crazy? How do you go about clearing a fear like that or any of those fears that you've mentioned? Because those are some pretty significant fears. I know. So, um, well, I have I have an approach that we really um, we really systematically go after it, and um, and like the fears often are hidden, and I call them the blind spot. Um, like so, even the woman who who was who was afraid of having an unhealthy baby, mm-hmm. you should have seen the look on her husband's face when that came up. Because and she sort of said, well, she kind of knew it was there, and he was absolutely shocked because all their their entire relationship they had never talked about that as a possibility and as a concern of hers. Um, so really, some of them don't they don't even know that they have these. So what we do is. Um, we create a really clear vision and and let's see, how can I word this? We create a really clear, almost set of affirmations. So like a vision of what they want to happen. And this can be taken into account. Some of it is meaningful to them. Some of it is meaningful to their body because it's really kind of a mind, body, soul approach. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, one of the things that we address is like, my hormones are functioning, you know, optimally and, and you know, my uterus is, is perfectly set up, you know, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. Just mm-hmm. So some of it is really about function and it's telling the body what it should do. And that's really helpful for people who are, um, who have maybe some circumstances that aren't so favorable to having a baby um, and like fibroids or, PCOS or things like that, and uh, and then we the rest of it is like you take their fears, the ones that we're aware of, and you turn them into a positive. So you'd be like, okay, I'm having a really healthy baby and holding this healthy baby in my arms, so it's not just a healthy pregnancy; it's all the way to baby. Uh, and then what we do is we identify through, as I say, this really structured approach. We identify the fears and we just start clearing them. And it's really powerful. And the thing is, is that what I'm calling them fears. They're, they're beliefs. And mm-hmm. we come in with a whole set of beliefs from our ancestors. And we have all kinds of beliefs. Ones that we don't know why we have them. And ones that we do know why. And it, it actually shifts the beliefs, which, unfortunately, we pass our beliefs on to our children, which is why we've inherited them from our ancestors. And this way, we get rid of them before they pass it on to our children. So it's oh, that, really powerful. It, yeah, yeah I find that it changes the person's life. It, they get to have a baby, and then they don't pass their beliefs all on, their negative beliefs all on to their baby. That's amazing because I know I, that's fine. I do agree that, you know, we hear stories from our mothers, grandmothers, sisters, whatever, and even though they're not our stories, we kind of, you know, they get heaped onto our shoulders and that's when they become fears. They become limiting beliefs. They become whatever. And they're really not ours. And right. they they do affect us, though, because I know in, in something I learned when I was younger and believed in was sometimes the harder you try to get pregnant, the more your body is focused on all of this stuff. 
It doesn't mm-hmm. work. And the minute you shut all that noise off, you become mm-hmm. pregnant. So is that right? Similar? And even yeah, even just one one thing you just said when you're trying to become pregnant, we use the term trying to conceive all the time. Oh. Yes. Your subconscious doesn't, like, the word try is basically maybe you just want to have a lot of sex. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you don't necessarily have to ever succeed when you're trying, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. So we, we actually, that's one of the things we work on. We do, much as I talked about the fears, and I feel like that's such a major component of it, we, we also create this really clear vision and we address language um, we work on stress management. Um, I, I describe the segment of that as making space, and it means different things to different people based on where they really need to focus. Um, and, oh, and I'm, a new tool I'm adding to my toolkit is medical intuition. So I'll be doing um, readings on people to identify the um, the energetic disruption in their body and try and uh, get them more whole um, and making sure they're balanced between body, mind, and soul. And so, and, and this is a body, mind, soul approach, um, as I say. So it's, it works with people who are trying to conceive naturally and it works people with people who are trying to conceive utilizing the fertility um, the clinics. And um, with the fertility clinics, it can also speed it up, right? I mean, I've got friends who've gone through seven, 12 rounds of IVF and not had success. <laughs> so wow. it can actually save the money when they get into that world. Yeah, because I would imagine the IVF is not uh, <laughs> a cheap endeavor. I mean, there's got to be a, no. a fair price tag attached to it. And it's uh, true. that's that financial burden that you were mentioning as one of right. the fears as well, right? So yeah. it's, how many times mm-hmm. do I have to go through this? Oh, and then you probably weigh out, well, it didn't work this time. Can I really afford to do it again? How many more <laughs> times? Yeah. And it just becomes a cyclical thing, I would imagine. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's time you need to get off the merry-go-round kind of thing and just take a different approach to it, which is what you're offering. And that is so amazing. Agreed. Well, and in Ontario now, um, up until you're 43, um, you can, not everyone does, but you can qualify for one free round of IVF. When you have one free round, you want to make it count. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Right? So it's like, okay, Put all, you know, more eggs into this basket. And this is actually one of the things that I find in my work is that people think they're so committed to having a baby. And then when they work with me, they usually, uh, the, one of the feedbacks, pieces of feedback I get is that, wow, I really thought I was sort of all in and I, was clear and they're like I I really wasn't and now I have clarity and now I'm fully committed to doing whatever it takes and it's quite amazing what they what they do and like I had one client who um she kept she kept she was really spinning so every time she came in she was going five thousand miles an hour and then by the time she left she was you know speaking normally (laughs) and um I thought it was crazy and she said um that uh, I just completely lost my train of thought. She was, uh, oh, she was trying to um, plan ahead. 
Mm-hmm. So um, she would ask me questions like, should I do this? Or maybe I need to make sure that this for the next round and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hold on. Like, take a breath. <laughs> you need to be all in to this one. She, this round, this try. Not anticipating the next one. And actually on, on Facebook groups that I'm members of where people are trying to conceive, because I'm a single mother by choice, and so I'm on a number of the single mother by choice Facebook groups, mm-hmm. people are, are always sort of panicked during the two-week wait, you know, am I pregnant, am I not pregnant? And I always give them the advice, you're pregnant until you're not. Like you just had a procedure done that should lead to pregnancy. Like there's a good chance. Not always. Mm-hmm. It's the mind part, right? So you, you just think you're pregnant until you're not. And then I give them this little fun exercise of, you know, envisioning the embryo floating into the uterus and now it's got to pick a home and so it's going to pick somewhere in the uterine lining and set up home and just play with it but really focus on this attempt not being no concern about the next attempt because if you're focused on this one and it works there isn't one right does that make sense yeah absolutely if you're if you've just had the treatment and you're you're already thinking that it hasn't worked and you're focusing on the next one, you're already saying that the one you just had didn't work. Possibly, exactly. And that's yeah. the thing. It's a mind game. Yeah. You really have to be focused. You have to be present and focused yeah. on today. What so be- is happening today? Belief is key. It's massive. Yeah. And, and the thing, the other thing is, Teresa, I find, okay, when it, when we're 22, well, even when we're, you know, 15, 16, but hopefully not too many people are having babies at that age in, in North America. Mm-hmm. But when we're 22, 25, you know what? Your body is just ready. Now, that's not to say that infertility isn't happening at that young age, but I don't think the um, your fears, your thoughts, all of those things are playing as big a role in whether or not you're going to get pregnant as they are when you're 40. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely, because probably when you're 40, you're thinking, I'm running out of time. Well, you're Uh, panicking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Panic and and trying to conceive is not a good scenario together. No. Well, and you've got, and actually that, that is one of the things that I find interesting, too. You've got this biological clock that's, screaming at you at that point mm-hmm. and some people just fall into the the like the expectation that they're supposed to be having a baby at that age mm-hmm. without really being connected any longer because they've got this biological clock screening to what they really want and one of the things I find is that people come to me maybe on the sense maybe thinking they really want to have a baby but also having some reservations and they either you know disappear and go on to not have babies or they actually leave my office really happy that they've actually got the clarity that they don't want to have children Mm. and I've seen a couple of articles magazine articles recently that actually talk about the women who are actually admitting that they regret having children and and you know it's nice even in the work that we do, with, that I do with my clients, that they can learn for themselves what they really want. Because honestly, I think you get become this 
hormone mix of chaos that you think this this biological clock is ticking and you've got to do it and you get really, you know, focused on that. And then afterwards, you've got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be pretty certain, right? So, well, that, that's um, so yeah, true. it's a beautiful thing. That yeah. is true. You know, you were talking about the older, the sorry, the women that were looking back and thinking, God, I really shouldn't have done that. And, you know, right. I think about back when I was young, I got married young because that's what, the thing was to do and then you were expected to have children right away and that's what I did except I miscarried my first pregnancy wow. almost lost my second one he's now 36 years old he's very healthy um, yeah then miscarried two more and had my fifth one so you know there there I kept thinking what am I doing and now I think what did I do to myself, <laughs> you know, and why was, why did the three not work? Was it something that someone was trying to tell me something or, you know, right. was I really prepared? And no, the answer was no, I was not prepared. Yeah, yeah, I honestly, because That's it was true. such an expectation from my right. parents and grandparents and, you know, the the area we lived in, it was what you did. And wow. unbelievable, you know, the pressures that not only we put on ourselves, but as you say, that community can put on our on us yeah. as well. They can help, but they can hinder at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And and I would say we're in a an interesting time where things are shifting, and yet things are shifting dramatically as far as you know, family structure. There there are lots of same sex couples or families like mine, single mothers by choice. Mm-hmm. All of these things, and yet, I would say that the that traditional family expectation is still kind of the underlying current, and uh, so you'd still have you know like my parents' age people all expecting you know people to get married. I shocked my parents so much when I decided that when I told told them that I was pregnant all by myself, um, and I would say people that. They just don't think outside the box, the older generations, and then it makes it tricky for the younger people who are trying to figure out what what life is supposed to look for them, if that makes sense. Absolutely, so, because what was, yeah. you know, common in our grandparents' generation, our parents' right. generation, and then there's, you know, my generation, the hippie generation, and, you mm. know, it, it's it's all, each generation is unique in their own way and in their own thoughts and in their own dynamics of how they want to live their lives, and it keeps yeah. changing, and, and we have to either learn to adapt and accept or ignore it i guess i'm i'm not sure the the right the right phraseology for that one but we we need mm-hmm. to be uh understanding of okay this is your decision it's not mine and mm-hmm. you know kind of decide whether we're going to support or not and i know in I, it must have been um a struggle for you did your parents support you once you told them that you were a single mother by choice uh my dad was really adorable he was like because huh. my my brother's married to a man, so they they didn't expect children there. Though my brother and his husband thought about adopting, um, and my dad was like, literally, huh? He just kept saying, huh? We've kind of given up on being grandparents, so it just kind of blindsided him. And and my mom, I'm not quite sure what she felt. She said that she was really worried that I'd lose the baby because I was 
44. Um, and so she was just so worried about that. Uh, she was pretty reserved um, probably until the baby came. Mm. And then, I mean, she has been such a massive participant in my daughter's life. She, When we lived in Ottawa, she came every week um, and helped me take care of my daughter. And, um, yeah, we've been having a wonderful time. So it's been quite marvelous. I definitely had their support once they got over the shock, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must have been shocking. I would, I would imagine that. But uh, it's nice to have that support and that, that bonding that you had with your mom and then to have that with your daughter as well. So, um, Absolutely. So you were only given a 6 or 7% chance of conceiving. How did, how did you react to that news? Like, was that... Did you I didn't buy it. Like, it. Oh, okay. No. I mean, the the interesting thing, um, and I and I really try to help my clients to to um, find their inner strength to go to the fertility clinics because the fertility clinics are going to tell it like it is, and so they were, you know, every single time I went, they were telling me repeatedly how old I was, um, and that part was really hard. the The first time I went, I almost didn't go back. Um, so this was after I'd already been working with a fertility doctor um, for two years doing artificial insemination in his office. Um, but he's in the news right now and did some not-so-great stuff. So, But he was lovely. Um, it just never took with him. So then I'm in the actual proper fertility clinic. And um, the, the, the blow... <laughs> of just hearing how old you are, you know, some people, for some people it's, um, it's there that they have a higher BMI. Um, it could be age, it could be their low ovarian reserve. Like it's just there. They really are remind you of it a lot, if that makes sense. And, and that was hard. However, um, before I did, cause I did two rounds of IVF, before I did the first one, I was like, well, I, I don't care if it's a 6 or 7% chance. I, I'm quite certain I'm going to have a baby. Now, that said, after the first round of IVF and there was nothing, and that was much harder because they actually put two embryos, so two mini-me's went into my uterus, and then there was something that had to die. Where before, when I did artificial insemination, I don't know if egg and sperm ever actually met. <laughs> So this way, it was much more difficult. So after the first round of IVF, that's when I was like, uh-oh, maybe it's not going to work with my egg. And and I, I had a brief moment of, you know, would I consider doing donor eggs and blah, blah, blah. And then I got into the next round of IVF and, and you know, the rest is history because I have a baby using my egg. So, but it was it was tough. In, I, I didn't believe it until after the first round of IVF, and then I was like, "Uh-oh, maybe I'm wrong." <laughs> do you think? Do you think, Cassandra, that they were trying to discourage you because of your age? <laughs> Is that a fair question? Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, and well, I I have to say yes. Um, the fertility clinic that I was utilizing. They, um, uh, from my understanding, from other people, um, they no longer take people over 42. Uh, so they've actually decreased the age because there were people like me who don't ever conceive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, a lot of people, given I had a 6 or 7% chance. Um, I think they do discourage, which is unfortunate. Now what I think happens is that once you hit 42, 43, they're really pushing the donor eggs oh. as opposed to using your own eggs. So because... Because yeah. once you get over 42, over 50% of your eggs aren't viable, period. Well, so that, that makes a um, lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. but, you know, they, they, you still have some viable eggs. It's just sort of finding one and getting it to fertilize. And it's just kind of a needle in the haystack, haystack proposition. Now, I with me, I actually had quite a lot of eggs. And they put, this will just give you a, you know, idea of how many die. They put five embryos in and I got one baby. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, they basically called me and they said, okay, we've got five. I think they let them grow up to day three. We've got five. They're going to have a better chance in your, you know, uterus than in our whatever Petri dish. And uh, they said, come on in. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, when yeah. you think of it that way, that that's staggering. And, and congratulations on the beautiful daughter you have. I've seen her, and she's gorgeous. Such a beautiful Thank smile so on her. Fun. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And you must be, just be loving the dickens out of her. I mean, that's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And and she's the only grandchild. Interesting note on the, the, um, the grandchild, though. If you ask her, particularly when she was younger, if you ask her, who her parents were, were, like who her family was. She doesn't just say me. She says me and my parents. Like that's how connected she is with with my parents as well. Oh, um, So she gorgeous. kind of has three parents instead of just one. That's a gorgeous bond to have, and that's that's beautiful yeah. that she recognizes that. And oh, why not, right? I mean, the the more the merrier. And you're, she's getting multiple doses of love every day, so there's nothing wrong with that. It sure is. Yeah. And, she, and she's awesome. And we are. I mean, oh my goodness, the happiest time of my life, I would say, was just. I felt like I was Wonder Woman of being a mom when she was really little, and I could satisfy her needs and. Um, she didn't have to cry a lot because she was just always with me, and I didn't send her to daycare. Anyway, I just loved it. There, there were a lot of benefits of, you know, approaching motherhood older. I mean, there are a lot of benefits of approaching it younger. I certainly don't have the same energy, but <laughs> right. Um, but we have some wonderful times together, being sort of an older, more patient, more financially secure mom. You know, right. Right. So yeah. is there is there cool. any is there any kind of research that's out there now? I know you've studied a lot and you've you've done a lot of research. Yeah. Um so what kind of research have have you found that supports um your approach to overcoming infertility? Right. Well, thank you for asking. I'm I'm actually it's it's actually a recent discovery. I I finally came across some research out of Harvard, um which of course we think is quite reputable. And it looked at um, so basically a mind-body program. So this was, would be like doing stress relief, doing relaxation techniques, all of which I do in my program as well. Um, it sub- subjected people to a 10-week program. And the people who were trying to conceive naturally, they and there was a study in a control group, the people who were trying to con- um, conceive naturally, they conceived at a three times the rate, they achieved three times the rate of pregnancy over the control group. 
Wow. So that's really significant. And then they did the same research on people going through IVF. And they found in the second round of IVF, um, the only reason the second round was because the first round they hadn't actually gone through enough of the program. Um, in the second round of IVF, they achieved greater than a two, two and a half times increase in pregnancy rate. So it's quite significant. Significant. In fact, the researcher, Dr. Alice Domar, she said, um, I saw an interview of her, and she said, if this was a pill, every single person in the fertility world would take it. But it actually has to do with behavior change, you know, slowing down, looking at your life, <laughs> and yeah. and making some shifts in the way you think, feel, behave, um, in order to achieve it. It's totally worth it, but some people don't want to make those shifts. Yeah, you're so right. It's quite and, fascinating. They, yeah, that, that's incredible because, you know, people do say they are ready, they will be willing, and they will, you know, they want, but when it comes to that actual behavioral changes, they they don't do it, <laughs> even though no, they know I, what the goal yeah. is and what the outcome is. It's a, right. a healthy, happy baby you know, right. it, yeah, well, it, that's staggering Ooh. information. I know. Isn't that crazy? And and I was thrilled because, of course, it supports what I do yes. um, because it's very much in line with what I do. And, uh, uh, in fact, I had a client uh, early on when I was just sort of helping people, you know, um, not really knowing what I was doing and much clearer now. Mm-hmm. And um, she called me. She'd already had three miscarriages and she called me and she um, she was really worried because she was absolutely exhausted and she said how am I supposed to exercise and she exercised a lot and I literally just said maybe you're not supposed to exercise oh. and she could not accept that I said you need to do something different than what you were doing before to have mm-hmm. a different outcome Right, that makes and cool no, sense. She wasn't willing to. Yeah, she oh. had another, another miscarriage. That was it. Oh my goodness! And it was such I a know, but, yeah, such a simple thing, but such a massive life change. You know that mm-hmm. could have made the difference between the success and not success. I mean, right? Yeah, that's a shame, right. but I'm sure it does happen. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. So, Cassandra, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone wanting to get knocked up? And I know that's the terminology you use, so we're going with that. It is. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Because, I mean, my, my company is called Want to Get Knocked Up and, and because people remember it. And the other reason is it's kind of more direct than um, a lot of the rest of the fertility world are much gentler and they use a lot of blues and pinks, if that helps to describe sort mm-hmm. of the way they talk about it where I'm like okay we want to get the job done so I want to be really direct and take a hard approach because some of it is going to like some of it is overcoming people's fears and moving into a different way of being and that takes that takes courage that takes strength I don't want it to be soft it's like you need to tackle this head on well, yeah, it's um, more matter-of-fact than, than adding a lot of fluff and whatever to it. Right. It's the bare truth, and that's – sorry, the yeah. terminology there, but it is the truth. You want to get knocked up, yeah. let's let's figure yeah. out how you let's can make that happen. So what would you yeah. give – what advice would you give to someone? 
What advice would I give? Um, hmm. Interesting. I think I think it's it's really a the best advice probably to your listeners is to be really living in the moment as best they can. So that means you know, experiencing joy when they can. That means being um, all in to each each trial of, you know, of trying to conceive. In fact, dropping that word is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell people to use, um, I'm either starting or growing my family. Nothing sure. to do with trying. Perfect. And, but, yeah, really being present and being in the moment and being all in. So, you know, you're, you, you, if you're trying naturally, you have sex on the, like, the best times of the month that you can actually get pregnant. I had one client, they didn't even do that. Um, and, and then be like, okay, be excited about the possibility. I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm going to, you know, I just did this. There's a good chance until you're not. And I know it's a bit of an, an emotional roller coaster because, like, then you're, you're building yourself up. And I, that's one of the things I find is that people kind of aren't all in because it's just too hard to accept that they might not it might not happen, whether mm-hmm. it be each cycle, whether it be in their life. And they really need that energy of that being all in, even though it means that they have to accept the, you know, the fallout if they're not pregnant. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, <laughs> it does. And, and sort of they're babbling. No, that's fine. There was actually a phrase that popped in my head, um, and, and yeah. now it's gone. But it was about, um, <laughs> you know, I guess it's um, be positive. Always keep that positivity in your mind that, yeah. um, yes, it's going. it will happen. It's just maybe not this time. It will be the next time. But it's going to happen, and we're going to have mm-hmm. a family. And right. be positive about it rather than saying, oh, geez, it, it didn't work this time. Darn. Uh, you the know, reason, or the get depressed. I, yes, right. Because depression will yeah. kill everything in your body, right? Yeah, and it's hard to, but it's hard to avoid too. So yes. what I did and what I recommend people do is find, um, find a way to have, to deal with the fallout of not being pregnant. Because you have to actually, you know, respect how you're going to feel with that too. And what I did for myself was I gave myself a one-day pity party where mm-hmm. literally I would drink too much wine, you know, cry, be like, why me? And all of those, you know, let myself go down that rabbit hole. And, uh, and then the next morning I would get up and I would be fully committed again because i got to do it the next cycle. And, uh, and I found that really helpful to um, to frame it so that I had a method to kind of work through that, but also find my way back up. So well, that makes sense. That's helpful to your people. Yeah, it is because it you really, know your hormones are out of whack in the beginning. You know when you're when you're totally. trying to get knocked up, and and mm-hmm. you know when you find out you're not, it's it's a drop. But I mean, you can give yourself that time to yeah. clear it, and then jump right back yeah. up and say, you know what, next time going to work so and i from what i'm understanding from you it's a team effort is that right so not just a woman it takes a team oh, effort goodness, to yeah. make this happen a group of people that are totally committed to growing a family and uh yeah them. well i mean if you if it's a couple um if it's a couple then obviously both of them 
need to be working together. I do find that people tend to to withdraw. Like they, mm-hmm. they become almost isolated in this experience. And that's actually part of the way that um, my group program works so well because then they're around people. They, they find that community, even if it's with a bunch of people who start out being strangers. Um, and and then they have people to share with that what they're going through. And because um, I do find that people tend not to want to talk to their friends about it and, you know, other people that might would normally be their support group. Um, they Sometimes it's just that they only experience pity from that person because um, the person doesn't necessarily understand what they're going through. Or, um, or you know, then you have other people who um, they're, they've just had a baby, so they're, they're in their joy, and, and then you don't want to burden that person. Like it's a lot of, a lot of isolation, to be honest. And uh, which I think is really unfortunate, which is great to find a group. However, I will be really warn people not to be just looking for a group of people going through the same thing, because there are also people who are really attached to the pain and they just stay there. And you do not want to be around those people. No, um, you, when you're you going need through to, this. Yeah, do your due diligence and choose wisely and be smart and you yeah. know, go with what feels right in 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 your mind, body and soul. You'll know when that connection is there. And if it's telling you that there's something that you're feeling kind of odd about it, turn around and run because it's probably not the right thing to to help right you know and 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 you know they should also connect with you because i think what you're offering is an incredible program and you know we need to have more women like you around that that uh, put this out there that's fantastic thank you if i if i may share one more thing that just popped into my mind yes please um thank you the um one of the comparisons that I give people is because um, everybody has somebody that they know who's gone through this is that they the people who you know went through fertility treatments to no avail and you know have this horrible sad horribly sad story of their experience where they never conceived and so they either gave up or they went the adoption route or they decided to you know go travel the world for a year. And that's when they got pregnant. So what changed there? And actually, I'd like to do research on those people at some point um, because I'd love to just see what commonalities changed in their life. But my my prediction is that they kind of changed their mindset. So the ones who went for adoption were like, okay, I'm going to become a parent because I'm adopting this baby. And then they get pregnant. Because they're becoming parents. They're actually programming their mind and their body to do something differently. Um, now with the travel, it's that they, you know, stopped worrying about it, became more open to just the possibility of anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. It is. So. And, and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because in my mind I've been thinking about people like that, you know, that yeah. and years and years ago when they adopted – then all of a sudden they get pregnant, and right. and it's I think it's because you took the pressure and the stress off of yourself. Right. Um, yeah. In some in cases part, it's not, part, but I think you know I I know quite a few people that that's happened to, and it's just you change, like you say, you change your mindset, you change your way of thinking about it and approaching life, and there you go. 
miracles happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing what can happen when you when you're open to possibility, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Cassandra, is there um a special quote that you have, one that you're inspired by that you would like to share? There is. And uh, it's actually Michael J. Fox, who I, you know, I adore, especially as being a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, and his quote is, family isn't an important thing. It is everything. Oh, that's beautiful. That is powerful. Isn't that amazing. Yes. Yeah. And I know the struggles he's going through. His family is by him, and that that's just a beautiful gift and a beautiful saying. And I will share that on the website um, when we put up your episode. And and how Wonderful. can people how can people get in touch with you if they want to get knocked up? Well, uh, they can get they can probably find me anywhere if you if you provide my um, name and whatnot. But uh, the website is wantogetknockedup.com. Um, and you can email me at Cassandra at wantogetknockedup.com, and I'd be happy to. That comes directly to me, and I'd be happy to uh, address any questions or um, set up complimentary consultations, and it would be great fun. Well, that's that's very straightforward, very simple, and yes, we will have all your links there and anybody, your phone number. Anyone can contact you, and I really encourage everyone to get in touch with Cassandra, have that conversation, and just you know continue with you want to get knocked up and go for it and have your family and and just enjoy life right awesome absolutely and if i may share just a little teaser yes um i'm i'm in the process and i should have it very soon i'm figuring out a way to actually sponsor a bunch of people going through a group program so um, so I should be able to offer it at a much reduced rate, which would be really fun to get a bunch of people in. I'm I'm hoping to run one that's in person and one that's online um, and see how they go. I, I do them normally now in person, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping to be able to offer that really soon. Um, and so I'm really trying to be able to get more people, um, be available to more people because, of course, some people feel that that the cost is is a factor for them. Uh, absolutely. And I guess, you know, that leads to we need to have you back because we need to help find out how things are going and how many people have gone through your program and if we can share it more because this is incredible work that you're doing. And I'm so glad that we had this time to share together. That's fantastic. Me too. Thank you so much, Teresa. And I would love to come back. Absolutely. Well, we will have to make a plan for that, Cassandra. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being a guest on Powering Through Life today. I really appreciate your input, and we'll be sharing all of Cassandra's information on the Divas That Care Network and also on my website, TeresaSims.com, and on my Facebook page, Powering Through Life. So we will share the heck out of this, Cassandra, and make sure that those that want to get knocked up will have your information in front of them. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Teresa. This has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's wonderful talking with you and sharing. So thanks again, Cassandra. And Divas, that brings to a close another great inspiring interview on Powering Through Life. So thank you to my incredible guest, Cassandra Bache, for sharing her thoughts and wisdom with our listeners today. So please reach out to Cassandra if you have any questions. I know she will be thrilled to answer your questions for you. 
that brings to a close another inspiring segment on Powering Through Life. Thank you to my incredible guests for sharing their wisdom, knowledge, and experience. Join me again next time for more real stories designed to motivate and inspire. Listeners, you can get in touch with me on Facebook and LinkedIn, as well as Twitter. You may also reach me at my website, which is www.teresasims.com. Keep in touch and let's keep the conversation going.